Let's talk about talk, it. Talk, talk, talk. Let's go deep. We all have something to share. No share with Dr. Dave. Hello and welcome to the Not Sure Dr. Dave podcast. I am Dr. Dave, a Cornelius affectionately called Dr. Dave, and I am your host. So today, my guest is um, Dylan Tracy. Dylan will share his experiences, insights, and some of the rhythms that have propelled him to the mountaintop of musical achievement. Um, Dylan, welcome to the Knowledge Share with Dr. Dave podcast and get into your mountaintop series. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Of course. And and so, you know, there's some backdrop, a backstory on this, because I have to tell everyone that, you know, when I met you for the first time, I think you were about six months old. And Sounds about right. Yeah, about right. Yeah. And so your parents was visiting me in Chicago and I had a, a home studio and um, there was a, a drumstick that you were just wrestling to get, man. I said, <laughs> I said, just give it to him. Let me clean it and give it to him. You know, and, and I gave you that drumstick and um, and I told your parents, you know, your son is going to be a drummer, you know, and, and that's the prophecy. Right. And it's kind yeah, of yeah. like no, we're like yeah, realizing yeah. the prophecy right now. Yeah, You're, yeah, you yeah. are realizing the prophecy. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know, and, and I know they're like super proud of you. So um, and so am I, you know, uh, I, mm -hmm. I actually put out uh, I had a little snippet of video of, of what I came to see you in. in um, in Phoenix, yeah, when you're yeah. playing with Amber, and um, mm -hmm. so I dropped that uh, out in LinkedIn, and you know, hopefully she wouldn't beat me up too much about it. <laughs> <laughs> I know? don't even know if she's on LinkedIn, to be completely honest. Okay, good, good, good. So <laughs> you know, when when I drop it in the other channel, just to to showcase the the fact, you know, yeah. you know, she yeah. she could come back and scream at me. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> so. So so let's just jump on in, man. It's, it's like, yeah. I like to get started with people, you know, singing or reciting, you know, some spoken word that inspiring them right now in this moment, you know? So I'm asking you to bring that as a, as a, a worldwide musician. Yeah. Um, so as far as like things that do inspire me on a whole, uh, I really don't listen to lyrics that much on the first listen. Um, it's more about the, the rhythm and the and the music that's happening and it's not until like maybe the 10th or 15th listen that i actually like recognize what is being said in the song um but there is one song in particular that i've kind of been obsessing over for the last year or so um and we were speaking earlier before we went live but it's uh this record called barely breaking even um and uh it's by this guy named leroy burgess who I've become a huge fan of, um, and, and he uh, kind of inspired and started. I mean, a lot of musicians would probably say like he created the the boogie movement of like yeah. the early '80s, um, and that's been a style of music that I've been like really getting into over the last couple of months. Because um, to me, it's just like. Uh, well, I'll probably talk about it later, but it's just a style of music that I really enjoy. And this song in particular, um, you know, obviously love love the music and love the sound of it. And then it, it was within like two or three listens that I actually was like picking up on the lyrics. And it's actually just like the most freelance musician anthem I've ever heard in my entire life. Uh, so I'll just read like the first couple of lines from it right now. 
Um, so the first verse just goes, just got my paycheck and I'm on my way home. Between the rent and the phone bill, it's nearly gone. But I try to make ends meet that just don't want to meet. I can't complain, but somewhere I'm getting beat. Uh, maybe it's the system. Maybe it's the cost of living every single weekend. I never know where the money goes. So I'm always giving and I'm just barely breaking even. I've got to get some for myself. Just breaking even, Steven. I've got to get some for myself. Um, so, you know, it's just like <laughs> we grind and we do everything that we need to do. And then the weekend comes and we hang out, party and all. So it's like, ah, where to go? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's like the love for what we do that keeps us going. So it's kind of like not even a big deal in the first place that we're still broke. But it's like, yeah, but we're having fun and like doing exactly what we want to do. And it's kind of just been like a weird mantra that I've been playing over in my head. Uh, um, being like, yeah, you broke, but are you having fun? you know, you doing, doing what it is that you want to do and, and are you propelling yourself forward to make sure that you can constantly keep on doing what it is that you want to do? So that's, that's my little lyrical snippet. Hey man, it, it's all about the passion, right? I mean, if you mm -hmm. love what you do, man, it's, it's beautiful thing, you know? Um, but, but let's talk about you and, you know, yep. introduce yourself to people, you know, I, I call it an elevator pitch, but you know, you, right. you, you choose. Yeah. Um, um, so yes, my name is Dylan Tracy. Uh, I've been a resident of New York City for coming up on 13 years now. Um, I am a drummer. Uh, that is like my main work, but you know, I've dabbled in production and other things. Um, but I really just like playing drums and interacting with musicians and creating. Um, my main thing is people always ask me like, well, what style of music do you play? What, what music are you into? And my go-to answer is, um, can I cuss on here? You know, a, a little bit, but okay, it's up okay. to you. You know, yeah, it's yeah, up yeah. to you. It's, it's your yeah, thing yeah. too. It's, it's, it's not, it's not like bad cuss words. Um, but, uh, I go anything that can shake your ass. Um, yeah. and they laugh and they're like, well, what does that actually mean? And I'm kind of like of the, uh, as a drummer, kind of our, not our main job, but if you look at just like the history of drums and how they've been um, applied to uh, human existence and culture, it, it is always a thing that is used for a celebration of anything. Um, and then especially in my kind of like soul searching, you know, I had to look back at like the fact that, you know, my heritage does come from the African diaspora and I had to look back at like, well, what, what were we doing back in the day with drums? And it was always just used as a celebration for anything that was happening and, you know, life, death, birth. And then with drumming came dancing and, um, and singing. And my whole thing is, is that if I can do what I do on the drums that causes you to celebrate something, you know, either by moving your body or, or having some sort of like slight visceral reaction, then I've done my job. So that's kind of like what I try and do every time I sit behind the drum kit and play music. Because um, I not only am I doing it for other people, I have to do it for myself because yeah. sometimes I can lose sight on what it is that I'm actually doing. And as long as I kind of just keep that um, as, as what people like to say, the North Star and whatever, you know, it's like that, that kind of just keeps me going and, and keeps me interested all the time. Because there's always new ways of figuring out how to make that work um, in certain musical contexts. So. Yeah, but you know, one important thing that I want to call out is that you went to NYU too, right? Mm -hmm. 
yeah, I, I know as a drum, you're probably like, well, yeah, that was important, but you know, yeah, drumming I, is the thing. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I went there for uh for jazz performance and um definitely had an interesting experience with that. That yeah. Yeah. We can we can talk about it if you want. Um <laughs> It's up to if you. You want to ask? You want to ask certain questions about that? I'm, I'm happy to answer them. Uh, but I definitely had a uh, uh, interesting experience with overall jazz jazz pedagogy. Yeah, and how music education works. And I have a lot of thoughts about that. But I would say that my main education was actually just living in New York City. Yeah. Um, you know, from 18 to 22, where yeah, you had to go to class and like housing was taken care of through the school and everything. And I could, could I could just kind of experience what, what I chose to experience. And and it was doing, it was going to gigs, jam sessions, hanging out with random people, just saying yes to everything and, and doing those things. That... All right. I hope you haven't frozen for too long and you're going to come back. Okay. Yes. Yeah, sorry. My Wi-Fi is a little bad. Um, okay. That uh, that it was living in New York City that was was probably as much, if not more, of an education than just going to NYU in general. I, I could feel that. So l let's yeah. talk about your biggest um, artistic um, inspirations. What are, what are some of those? Yeah. Um, definitely George Clinton of Primal Funkadelic. Um, that that kind of I, I make a joke where it's like. He was my best friend in high school <laughs> because <laughs> it was it was the only music I listened to. And, you know, sometimes I feel like everybody has that one year where you just like didn't have any friends. Yeah. You're just like, you know, and, and I distinctly remember it was like my sophomore year of high school. And I just was on the Internet, sat in my car, just listening to Parliament Funkadelic all the time. And, you know, speaking and and when it comes to like not only is the music incredible, but the lyrics really kind of educated me in how I want to feel when I experience music yeah. and how I want to feel when I experience life. And, you know, he's got, he's got some, sorry, my camera is all weird. Um, he's got some interesting things to say, but uh, I still go back to, um, I was watching an interview of his on Arsenio Hall from like 1991 or 93 or something like that. And, uh, and Arsenio was like, yo, so what is, what is the definition of funk? And George goes, well, you zoom out from this whole city that you're in to the planet, to the solar system, to the Milky Way, to everything else, to the edge of the universe. And you look at where you are in that whole scheme of things and you realize how infinitesimally small you are and how nothing that you do affects, you know, whatever is happening out there in a weird sort of way. So all you can say is just like, funk it. Yeah, just and just do you, you know, and and hearing that was like mad liberating for me. Um, I was like a 15, 16 year old, and um, and also like really inspired just the idea of like Afrofuturism in a way too. Um, and kind of like speaking of a future that doesn't exist, but it's you're trying to make it exist with what you have right now. Um, I think it was was a really important thing for me to consume. Um in those formative years. Uh, so yeah, Parliament Funkadelic is a big one for me. Um, I would also say like drumming wise, uh, John Bottom of Led Zeppelin kind of just yeah. like 
really embody the way that I love to play drums. Just like bombastic, fills up the room, but there's so much space and care um, to the music that is happening around it. Um, and I think my love for Bonham and his approach in drums kind of influences the type of music that I do like and listen to. Um, you know, I, I like I like things that have there's certain roles in the songs that kind of play off of each other but aren't on top of each other, and then they fit together to create this like amalgamation of pocket and and groove and 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 you know just that type of thing. Um, and you know, it falls in line with like hip hop and certain you know jazz artists and things like that. So. Yeah, I would say Bonham, Problem and Funkadelic are are like my big my big inspirations for sure. So, you know, when when we look at you know, cultural heritage, you know, how has mm -hmm. that really influenced your artistic, you know, expression? I know you talk about, yeah. you know, Funkadelic uh, and, right. and uh, John Bonham, you know, what else influencing yeah, um, your artistic expression? Yeah, I would also say like um You mean like other other artists or just like other things in life that do happen? Well, I mean, it's like you as a drummer, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. knowing, you know, you're you're a black man, you know, right, that's right. part of your cultural heritage, but also yeah, growing yeah. up in in Wisconsin, you know, yeah. that also would <laughs> give you another yeah, cultural yeah. experience. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely the idea that um, I was surrounded by people that listened to music that I had no idea existed and did not consider to be things that I enjoyed. But then at the same time with the music that I did like, uh, it, it actually, let me rewind. That's not what it is that I want to say. Um, huh? Yeah. Okay. Another thing I really grew up on a lot of like 60s, 70s, 80s, uh, R and B soul music. Yeah. You know, yeah, Prince was playing in the house all the time. You know, like I said, so was Parliament. And just like anything that was on the radio in that era was played in my house. Um, and then when I really got into hip hop later on, uh, to the, um, it, it was Kanye West who, you know, is really disappointing us now. But, you know, he definitely inspired me a lot to to get into sampling because when I heard the hip hop songs that I liked, I was like, what I actually know what the sample is. So then it kind of just like fed into this idea of nerddom because I really do like history a lot and I like the context in which certain things came out and how they all fit together. And um, so then when, when you know, I hear a sample, then I'm like, oh, what is that sample? And then I'm like, oh, well, who played on that song? And that person played on that thing. And I create this whole web narrative in my head of like how it all works out. And that just kind of like informs this greater story that I really just enjoyed knowing a lot of the time. Um, so that's a huge thing. Uh, D'Angelo was a big deal for me when I was in college and just understanding what stillness and pocket and groove was in a way that he took everything that I had known and loved within music and did a new thing with it. Yeah. Because he nerded out about it the same way that I do. And to see kind of like your own mental vision of what music can sound like manifest it within another artist like that that is an incredible thing um and 
Yeah, and I mean, I know it, I feel like a, I'm being a dead horse, but like Jay Dilla obviously was a huge uh, person of inspiration for me. And then I would also honestly say too, um, Bitches Brew by Miles Davis like blew my mind when I first ha- heard it. Uh, just the idea of sitting somewhere and just, it's almost like mantra music, you know, just like for 15 minutes, just doing the same thing and just like, there, there is talent in not changing up what it is that you're doing. Yeah. And to keep it, to keep it going and keep it good was then turns into now my, my next true love is like, I really just like disco and boogie music. You know, I could hear the same beat for like 20 minutes and it's like, well, if it's hitting, then screw it. I'm just going to keep on dancing to it, you know? And, and it's just like, things like that are, are really inspiring to me. Um, because I think that the world's in a really interesting spot right now. And I think we're all thinking that we have to do so much. And I don't know if we know how to relax a little bit and just like be within ourselves. Um, And I find that dancing in a club to a song that lasts for 15 minutes is very calming for me and and kind of just like makes sense of the world, uh, which I know is not what a lot of people would feel, but you know, it's, it's what makes sense to me. Hey, it just reminded me of, of, you know, some of the underground stuff that was happening um, in the 80s, like when I lived in Chicago and I would travel yeah. to New York and stuff like that. It would, you know, have those type yeah. of experiences. But let's talk about obstacles that you faced in your in your art, right? And, and yeah. how, how have you navigated around those? I mean, honestly, my biggest obstacle is myself. Yeah, That's probably, you know, the, the main thing. I, I would say that being a not only being a musician but just being a freelancer in general is you have to really get past some of the bullshit that you've created in your head um that does stop you you know like and and i go what's so funny is i've been doing this shit for so many years and i still run into the same problems every single year just being like telling yourself that you can't do something or or invalidating your experience or you know people talk about the whole imposter syndrome and i like to say like sometimes you just gaslight yourself into thinking that you're not worth the the things that it is that you want to do and it's not like anybody's told me that i can't do something like the obstacles aren't aren't the powers that be i mean that is an obstacle but what it really is is just like myself i'm the obstacle i'm the one that has prevented myself from doing what it is that i want to do um but then at the same time, I get presented with opportunities where I have no right being there as far as like pedigree or what it is that I've done beforehand. But I just kind of like fake it until I make it. And then all of a sudden I have a new skill set and it works. And just being like confident in yourself and taking everything that you've done in the past to uh, make it make. What was the last uh, part I that mean- you got me on? No, I mean, no, I, I mean, I get that, you know, in, in terms of, of dealing. And so I, I have a simple statement for you is welcome to being yeah. human. We, we all go through it, right. you know, exactly. <laughs> you know, even at exactly. my age, I still go through like, yeah, a lot of that kind of stuff, you know. Um, so, so let's talk about a project that, you know, that's really whole significant personal meaning for you. Yeah, um, I would say that. So I have my own band, Alt Apollo, which is like me and three of my best friends. We've known each other for about a decade now, if not more. And um, that 
when we first started becoming friends, um, I, I distinctly remember this this memory is it was the first time we ever played a gig together and we had a mutual friend that needed a band and I knew I knew one of the ba uh, one of the band members he was he's one of my best friends and then I knew the other band member peripherally and then the third one I had no idea who this was we only met during rehearsals but when we played this show it was one of those like oh my god this is what this is supposed to feel like like this is this is that joy that you're supposed to have when you play music it, it was as if we had known each other forever when we when we played that first gig so that was an inspiring thing to have happen because I look back at that moment knowing that it can be done. The, the, the whatever version of, of bliss that you have in your head of being a musician or just being alive can be there. And so I use that as like a, a grounding point of like, well, if I'm not feeling like that, then I don't know if this is something that it is that I wanna do, you know? And a lot of the times I can feel that way, but I've gotten to the point now where even if it's, even if it's the worst music playing in front of five people, I can still find an opportunity to make it the best gig of my entire life. But that's gone through years and years of like trial and error of, of, of uh, making sure that, you know, I'm, yeah, it just, it took time to get to that point. So yeah, that band, um, very important to me. We're kind of on a hiatus only because all four of us are like doing really good things individually. Um, and then as far as like other projects, my main source of income at the moment is touring um, as a musician. And so I do play with a lot of different artists all the time. Um, and you know, the roster changes year to year, but it is the idea of traveling to new city every single day to even a new country every single day, if you know, you're touring in Europe, um that that experience in itself is something that i i thrive off of i i love the idea of you know i'll have a gig in los angeles and have my idea of what la is like and interact with those people and then i drive to phoenix and i'm like huh this is particular in a way um very warm and then i go to texas and i'm like wow barbecue this is delicious, entirely different vibe. And then you go to New Orleans the next day yeah. and then you party in New Orleans and then Miami. And, and all of a sudden you just, within two months, you just experience all of America, which like is a thing that not a lot of people can say that they've ever done. You know, I feel really, really lucky and blessed to know that I've traveled through uh, 46 of the 48 continental US states. I've either stayed or played a show in all those um states um i have traveled and performed in i would say about 20 countries now um and you're really lucky to be able to go to all those countries and uh you know bring those that those bring your skill you know for the world to really experience you so um, I know I get to hear some of those stories from your, from your dad, and I hope you come back pretty soon from, um, being frozen. Hello. Okay. I'm back. 
Sorry about that. All right, um, all right, all right, all right. I, yeah. I was about to go do some commentary until you come no, no, back. No, 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 no. no. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a dang Wi-Fi. The, the problem with living in Brooklyn sometimes is that uh, they don't get you the good Wi-Fi if you live in a neighborhood that they don't care about. Yeah. And so I have, like, the worst version of Wi-Fi you could possibly have. And uh, it's literally because there's nothing else that exists over here. So. Yeah. You know, there's that. But as I was saying, I've I've traveled to about 20 countries um, all over Europe. Uh, I've been to Abu Dhabi. I've been to Tokyo, Beijing, Lima. Um, uh, and it, it's it's things like that that is also as important to me as being in any sort of project like that to me is also a project, you know, because it's it's it, it's like, yeah, I. I can't even imagine what life would be like if I didn't have those opportunities and, and, and how like uh, I think about the world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of fun not to sound corny, you know, in my mind just, just popped in. Like I've been everywhere, man, that song, you know? Right, um, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that song, but, but let's talk about how do you use um, art to address like social issues that, you know, we're facing currently. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's a really, so I think about this a lot because I know that I am a drummer, um, so I can't really do much on the vocal end of, of, of or lyrical end of saying things like that. Um, I also live in a very, like, progressive bubble um, as far as politics go. Uh, so even if I do anything, it's probably going on dead ears because everybody gets it. Yeah. But then also at the same time, when you travel, especially when you go on tour, like, look, don't get me wrong. I would love to have political conversations with everybody on the planet all the time. And, and, and I have done that. And a lot of that happens not on stage, but when, you know, you just meet a random person at a bar after the stage. And, you know, I remember one time I was playing a music festival in uh, Cheltenham, UK, which is like horse country in the middle of nowhere in, in England. And this is like 2017. And this woman just comes up to me and she's like, oh, you're American. And I was like, yeah. And she goes, oh, how do you how do you feel about Donald Trump? And I was Ooh. like, oh, oh, uh, yeah, not good. Uh, this is really bad. And um she goes oh, i feel like he can maybe do some some interesting things i was like well what about you how do you feel about brexit she goes oh yeah i voted i voted leave and i was like huh okay interesting um and she was like yeah i just feel like england's not english enough anymore and i was like all right so you just word okay so that's what everybody's feeling right now cool and so like that is like a version of that but i also um part of me is just like real tired about talking about social change Yeah, because, you know, especially like living in New York and I just remember like the George Floyd protest during the pandemic. And a thing that really irked me um, was being at these protests and seeing a bunch of people kind of using it to promote their own agenda about a thing that actually wasn't even being talked about. And a lot of like virtue signaling and, and social media, activism that is creating awareness but what are you doing for yourself type of thing and look other people can feel like that is what they want to do i just feel like i'm better at promoting how i want the world to be 
by how I just exist in my day-to-day life in the first place. Yeah. Um, because that I actually have control over. Um, people could be watching this and be like, well, you're not on the front line, so you have no right to say about anything whatsoever. Or like, I don't see you at the protest. And, you know, because I mean, there's, there's this person who is not, um, who has AIDS, who is not taking their AIDS medication until the theater company that they work for is calling for a ceasefire against Gaza. And like, that is some level of activism that I'm like, oh. Wow. Yeah, you know, just, you know, as, as we wait for you to come back in with your Wi-Fi, yeah, that is, you know, a certain level of activism that you know many of us probably would would not go through um to get there but um you know i i could just i could just imagine you know the passion that someone would have to, to really want to you know step in and take some of those actions because they believe in something you know that much you know they have that great degree of compassion um you know, so um, I, I could completely get what that is. Um, and, and so, I mean, that's, you know, something to, for all of us to think about when we're thinking about using, you know, what we have um, to deal with some of the social issues, you know, that may, uh, that may impact us. And it seems like, you know, Dylan's um, connection just got disconnected and, and i'm sure he, he here he comes we're going to add him right back to the stage you know because we're waiting and and in between you know i was just giving commentary to wait for you to get back here you know yeah yeah um yeah i switched over to a personal hotspot because i don't want to deal with my wi-fi cutting out anymore and this is a lot more reliable so yay um, there you go <laughs> so, so let's we could either pick up where you left where you left yeah. off talking about that person, you know, and the sacrifices they've made, or we could jump right. in to start talking about, you know, the type of advice that you may have for other young artists trying to break into the industry. It's up yeah, to yeah. you. Yeah, I'll just finish by saying like there's a lot of people doing a lot of important things. Uh, my version of of social activism um, is honestly through making you forget about the fact that there are problems. By me yeah. playing music that that's kind of like my whole thing because at the end of the day if we just like take a step back to relax and actually look at the big picture of a lot of things um i personally believe that a lot of us are actually angry at the same problem and i don't think a lot of us are understanding what that main problem is and that is um i think a thing that is uh very interesting about the world that we live in where the powers I'd be like to make people really mad at each other for issues that they don't need to be mad at because you should be mad at the man, if you will. Um, so yes, that is, that is my whole thing at the end of that. As far as people breaking into the industry, um, when I, when I visit my old high school, people are always like, Oh, where should I go to college? And what I always tell them is, is honestly go to the city that you want to work in as a musician. You know, um, if you want to work in Chicago, then go to school in Chicago. If you want to work in New Orleans, go to school in New Orleans. If you want to work in New York City, you can go to New York City. It's expensive as hell. You know, you can go to like Purchase and still meet some really good musicians there. 
Um, if you want to work in Los Angeles, then go to Los Angeles. So, and I say that because in my experience, I learned more about the music industry and getting into it and getting gigs and performing from just being in New York. Um, you know, I, I know we talked about the NYU thing in the past, but I did not get a single gig opportunity in my professional life from any of my professors at New York University in the jazz program. And a lot of that is because, yeah, a lot of that is because I chose not to pursue a career in jazz performance. I, I chose to go the more pop route. Um, but, you know, if you want to be, if you want to work with producers in LA, then just go to LA. You don't have to try and learn that in New York City and then try to move out and everything like that. Like, because what, in order to break into the scene, you have to be a personable human being that has ego, but also understands that other people exist. It's just, it's just like making friends. That is the easiest way to get into the industry because at the end of the day, everybody expects you to be a good musician. Cause that's yeah. why you're here. You know, like, yeah. you know, I think about it where it's like, okay, I understand why I don't get certain gigs because I might not play that type of way or, or that's not the type of drumming that I do. That's fine. But for everything else, everybody's like, no, of course you can play. It's just like, do you play the way that I want to? And do I like to hang out with you? Yeah. You know, and and I think um, a, a thing that me and my friends used to talk about in college was there's like a there's a triangle. Mm -hmm. And if two of those three things in that triangle are fulfilled then you should like take the gig and the thing was money, hang and music. Yeah. And it's like, you know, if the music and the hang's good, but the money's bad. Take it. If the money's good and the hang's good, but the music's bad. Still take it. And if the music's good and the pay is good, but the hang is kind of bad, you should definitely take it because everybody got to get their check. Um, yeah. But it just is one of those things where the 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 relationship that you have with the people in the band and the people that you're working with that sticks to other people, you know. Um, and, and it's the same thing with like any other workforce. That's the funny thing. Um, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, that that's just like being a human. Uh, yeah. Just be good to others and understand things and just listen you know like it's a lot of listening and it's a lot of being patient um because yeah if you want to be a musician i expect you to practice and you know know how to play whatever it is that you're playing um but yeah it's just it's just like hanging out with people don't don't stand in the corner and being like oh i'm too good for this or like like buy somebody a shot be like yo i really like your stuff be like hey can we hang out you want to get coffee or something like that like it's just just those types of things. Um, and people will always remember those moments. And then if your playing's good, then they're also going to remember the playing. But, yeah. you know, it's, 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 one, it's, it's just that. I mean, basically, I, basically don't be a dick. Yeah. That's the, I, I hear you. Know, you. <laughs> yeah. I, I hear you, man. I've met like, there are people that I've done gigs with that I'll never, you know, I was like, oh my God, I'd never want to be around that yeah. person. And yeah. there, there are people who have never done gigs with them, but we've met in the scene and, you know, we're still friends to today. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I could totally relate to that, yeah. you know, but, but when we start looking at the landscape of your art, um, how do you see, you know, it changing uh, for like people of color, right? Yeah, I think. You know, back back to when I was mentioning about how much I like history, 
it's knowing that history that has served into how I understand the cultural landscape and how things change amongst people of color. Um, I do know the music industry is more diverse than it's ever been. You know, Um, I would also say that because of my bubble that I live in, in New York, um, like I said, it is a very progressive bubble. Every band that I'm in now either has a person of color or a woman in it or a person of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, That's just kind of the norm now. And you can go to any show and there's always going to be some representative in every single, um, every single, either the audience or, or in the band. And, and that's great for where I'm at. I just don't know how that looks like in, in the greater scope of everything. And I also do believe that there's a lot of, um, I think that what was happening in the eighties, I'm not going to say any of that, but I would say that, you know, we started off with, with the whole like race records things from like the thirties and the forties, you know? Yeah. And then, and then Motown came through and was just like, nah, black people can make pop music essentially. Um, and then the seventies happened with a lot of different types of groups and it was still like segregated eighties, a lot of crossover, you know, Michael Jackson was a big deal for that Prince too. Yep. Um, and then the nineties with, with hip hop came out and, and, I mean, obviously hip hop happened in the eighties, but in the nineties, it really became a big thing. And then, but then with the birth of the internet and television um, and the way that people showcased music just in our everyday lives, I feel like there's a slight reversion back to that race record type of thing, because it is super easy to find your pockets and your communities on social media without actually knowing anything else. And I'm not saying that that is just what the record industry has done. I just think that that is kind of a thing that people have gotten used to. Um, I still think there is a lot of crossover and there's a lot of diversity within that crossover. But I would say that I think we're at a moment right now where things are starting to get a little more. I. It's segregated, but I also like think about moments where, you know, I'll be at a bar. And, you know majority white people are in there and then you know there's like a really popular hip-hop song that comes on and they're all like dancing along and having a good ass time to it but then at the same time you know that half of them probably like voted for trump you know or something like that and it's just like it's just kind of like i i don't i'm having a hard time understanding what people enjoy now and and why certain things work the way that they do and you know my pessimistic brain is like well you're just fetishizing the the black experience to your own to make yourself look cool and um and that doesn't feel good as a black performer so a lot of the times i try to be really intentional with how i talk about music and how i perform music and 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 you know and and that's just me looking from the outside because i don't really know those spaces a lot because the spaces that i'm in are actually like very positive and wholesome and 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 stuff like that but you know i see it every once in a while um in certain acts and just little minor quips that people will say to black performers and it's just like hey yo you you can't you might think that you're giving a compliment but it it, it's not you know it's you're actually doing more harm than good by saying what it is that you just said um and also a lot of times that happens to black women performers um they're getting a lot of catching a lot of strays a lot of the time 
um, with with them just being themselves and and you know you, you also got fucking Drake reposting what, what the hell is that dude's name I always forget his name for a good reason uh, yeah Tory Lanes or whatever I mean it's like dude shot Megan in the foot I don't know why everybody's back in Tory Lanes and it's just like I, I, I digress sorry but that yeah. is also that is also a huge thing that is really bothering me right now is musicians not holding other musicians accountable especially in in, in diverse spheres um to just like be better people and, yeah. that, and that's a huge thing that, that i'm having a problem with right now so i could i feel that man so let, let's talk about your next artistic you know aspiration that's yeah. coming uh, you know how we talked about what is your obstacle? Yep. Me being my obstacle. So, like, I'm going to tell you what my aspiration is, but, you know, I might prevent myself from doing it because, <laughs> you know, it's, it's really up to me, you know? Um, yeah. I'm at a point in my career now where I can um, kind of just do whatever I want, which is really cool. Um, and I know that, like, yes, I can wait for gigs to come through, but it's really up to me to just, like, do what it is that I want to do. So... One thing that I really want to do is um, I, I have amassed a very large record collection in the last couple of years. And uh, there's this website called Discogs where you can just put in your records and log them in. And I'm kind of doing a system of organizing them chronologically. Cause you know, like I said, I talked about history and I just love the idea that I have uh, records going from like 1911 to 2022 and it's just all in chronological order wow and i'm like oh if i want something from 1972 i know exactly where it is because it's not by genre because i love the idea that there's so many things happening in one single year yeah you know like that like that's just like a really i don't know it makes my brain tickle in a wonderful way so once i log all those in then i'm going to go through all the records again and take samples and and like drums loops and things like that and create a whole sample library so that i can like write and produce for other people just with like the things that i have found um which is also really exciting so that's like an aspiration that i have um i also want to i want to i want to start working and producing with a lot more people now um i have a studio that i have with that band alto palo and you know, I've learned how to like record my own drums. So, you know, just hit people up and be like, yo, you need some drums. I can, I can record them type of thing. And that's, and that's kind of been like a fun endeavor. I just have to figure out how I want to achieve that. Um, another aspiration because I do have all these records. I also like to DJ my records. So, you know, just going out to bars and being like, yo, do you need a DJ? And they say, yeah. And then, they don't ever hit me back because that's just how it usually goes. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's just a it's just a lot of random things. My main aspiration is wanting to be happy with the decisions that I'm making. That is my actual aspiration because, you know, I've kind of been at the uh, whim of people who have a lot of money that they can pay me. And then I'm like, oh, you're paying me. Great. This is cool. But now I'm like, I kind of just want to enjoy music and existing and like being by myself and like creating things. Well, so that's, that's my main aspiration. I would say. I, I, that's good. That's good. You know? So, I mean that, that you, you certainly, you know, have the opportunity to do that and mm -hmm. perhaps even the space. So um, 
before we close, yes, is there anything else you would want to like just share with the people who are listening to to you at this point? Anything that any I any last like things, you know, go do this, go be that, <laughs> be inspired uh, by. Yeah, I would say um uh <laughs> um yeah everything's okay. Nothing's really that big of a deal. Everything is okay. Um and uh things might seem stressful, but if you really just take a step back, it's um pretty obvious as to like how things can get done and it's obviously going to be stressful but at the end of the day as long as you have some community it's going to be okay um and uh yeah uh fuck capitalism free palestine uh free the congo all those wonderful good things those are also last last words of mine as well all um, right you know we'll take it so uh <laughs> so you know hey thank you for tuning into the knowledge show with dr dave podcast um just special thanks to dylan tracy for sharing so generously today so i say stay tuned trailblazers and uh for the next episode and you know what i, I just want to i'm just gonna say it you know the next episode is your mom so oh you sick go. wonderful there you go Love it. here you go the whole fam doing the whole fam brother yeah all right. Well, hey, thank you again. I'm going to end our stream. Uh, thanks for and, and, Appreciate it. Yeah. Let's talk about talk, it. Talk, talk, talk. Let's go deep. We all have something to share. No, no share with Dr. Dave.